Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Julia, recorded in April 2023. Throughout her life, she has found connection through food, and she's made a career out of it. Listen to find out more. This right. meeting is being recorded. All right, we're now recording. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today I have with me Julia. Thank you so much for joining me. My absolute pleasure, Noreen. I'm so excited about our conversation today. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, well, okay. Um, this is always the bit that's uh, that makes you like go. Oh, I'll talk about myself. Okay, let me <laughs> let me think. <laughs> so I'm a chef. Uh, I'm a chef. I'm a professional chef. Uh, have been for um, quite a long time now. Tw- yeah, probably about twenty years actually. Um, and um, uh, prior to that, actually, I was uh, in marketing uh, for food industry. And um, uh, but also I'm actually a coach as well, a coach for women. And uh, I um, uh, I kind of like mix the two together. So my coaching is centered around helping women to overcome past uh, experiences and overcome their own emotional and uh, behavioral um, and mental blocks that stop them from ultimately living their best life whatever that looks like for them and so I'm a certified transformation coach um, I focus on self-discovery uh, looking within and um, and then I also incorporate some of my chefing experience um, into that and my cooking um, and so uh, we do a whole I guess program about cooking uh, coaching um, so I like to include a bit of cooking in the coaching uh, scenario because I always find that with food because uh, that's my life really has been my life really all my life because of my culture as well I'm Turkish Cypriot and um, food connects us it brings us together and uh, and that's how I see um, the way uh, my life I guess in some ways has gone so I'm also a teacher so I have been uh, I was teaching probably for about 15 years actually I've been teaching um, and I've taught on a professional level so uh, teaching young people and adults how to be chefs and I've taught the um, NBQ and VRQ levels one two and three um, um, for with uh, under the hat of the city and guilds qualification and uh, and I've also taught apprenticeship programs as well. Uh, so I've kind of been in this industry um, a long time, predominantly more on the education side. Uh, but also I was uh, for quite a number of years, uh, about 12 years, I ran my own catering business. And uh, and also I've done a lot of food writing. Uh, some people might know me or might have heard of me. I've, I do a regular little slot with Robert Elms on the BBC Radio London on a Saturday, and uh, which is fun. And yeah, and I, I talk a lot about food and connection. And uh, and I guess uh, 
through my own journey and through the um, experiences that I've had and all the many things that I've done around the food sector, um, connection has been the, uh, I guess, the overriding predominant uh, factor. Uh, it took me a long time to realise that, actually, but, you know, it's, it's quite glaringly obvious based on all the things that I've done and based on my own culture and how I've grown up. Uh, so I actually grew up in East London um and uh two uh two very amazing parents turkish cypriot parents who came over in the 60s settled made a life for themselves and and it was a a beautiful experience i got two sisters and and we you know we grew up in this amazing household uh with family around us as well um you know sharing uh food constantly and food was i guess the connector for all of us and so for me um that's I guess has been my life really to be honest and so I guess it was natural that I ended up moving into training as a chef uh which was uh, uh, quite an experience for me and actually I was I always say this one I was a bit late to that party because um my um experiences of uh being a chef didn't come about until I was around 32 and uh, I had um, got married, had two kids. Obviously, the marriage fell apart. I had two very young children. One was, what, nine months, 10 months. Uh, the other one was a year, a uh, couple of years old. And um, I thought, you know, I didn't, I guess in some ways I've taken a bit of time off from the marketing and I didn't really want to go back to it. Uh, and I thought, you know, what else can I do? And, and it was just a, 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 I'd loved cooking and entertaining. And it was something that a friend of mine said to me, um, oh, you know, do you want to um why don't you be a chef and I never really thought about it and anyway I just happened to meet someone at local college who said to me yeah come on the course and so I did the advanced level training um and and that was it really and I guess so yeah so I guess that was my um life sealed <laughs> per se in this industry um which has been uh, an amazing journey actually food food is a journey and, uh, and my life has been that journey um, through uh, the things that I've eaten, the things that I've done. And it was really from that point forward, I actually trained as a teacher as well after that. And it, I guess it was that point forward, really, from training as a chef that really opened up my eyes to a whole industry that I'd um, only ever really um, touched on through the marketing mm. and, the, and the sort of PR and stuff that I was doing. But it just opened up my eyes to so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for that introduction and also just telling us a little bit more about your journey into food. And, you know, I think we were talking about this earlier that, you know, in so many cultures, food um, is such an important part of the, the life, you know, quite, you know, it, you know, it's around sitting around the table with your family, spending hours mm. around the table oh. <laughs> with your family, sometimes just focusing on food and I love how food, you know, like you were talking about connection, you know, I love how food brings people together and also brings cultures together. You know, I've always found that a way to get to know different cultures better is through food, like the types of food that you eat, the way that you cook it, the ingredients you use, the way that you eat it, whether it's your hands or chopsticks or knife and fork, you know, I remember when I moved from Asia to Europe, you know, in Asia, it's very much family style, everyone sharing and then coming to Europe, it's like, no, you order your starter, your main course and your dessert. I was like, 
but I want to try all the different things. <laughs> Bring it all together. We'll have it everything, everything at once. <laughs> That's us. That's us. I mean, as Turkey Cypriot, we, um, you know, it, it's a massive table. It's a massive table full of stuff. My, um, uh, one of my specialities when I used to do catering was buffets. And everyone loved the buffet. But who doesn't? Because you can run around and try everything and all the little plates and the little bites. And, and yeah, and you're right. You know, um, I guess uh, I had a, because uh, I grew up in East London, uh, it's a very diverse, multicultural area, which was an absolute blessing um, and so enriching as well, because um, I love learning about other people's cultures and I love learning other people's food. And so for me, when I met um, all of these other beautiful humans from, you know, the Asian culture, from uh, the Caribbean culture, from Africa, you know, I had friends from Ghana, Nigeria, friends from Guyana, friends from St. Lucia, Jamaica, you know, um, it was amazing. I had Chinese friends, friends from uh, Bengal, you know, friends from um Bombay friends from all over all over Pakistan India and so um yes we would share food they would give us food um when there was festival time so whether it was Eid or Diwali you know Christmas um I love it I mean I'll celebrate anything to be honest but you know I love, I love you know, for me <laughs> yeah what is it yeah what is it I'll just yeah, I'll do that it's okay yeah. Let's go. <laughs> what are you eating? And because it is always about that, it's always for me. It's like, oh yeah, what are you gonna have? What food are you eating? Oh, this is so exciting, you know. So um, you know, I would I would try everything. I would try everything. And I like, you know, it's interesting actually, knowing because I always think um there's a lot of crossover with food. So obviously, mm. you know, if you look back at history with the silk route, the spice route, um, you know, food it does cross many uh, uh oceans you know it crosses many channels it crosses uh, over in the sense of the kinds of ingredients and the spices and the flavors um and that's people you know that's humans you know as as we are um and so yeah that's why the connection is so valuable as well because you do get to to try so many different things obviously if you're open-minded open-hearted and uh you know and, and are willing to do that so yeah and, and the hands the hands oh that was me always with the hands always get stuck in I've got no shame no shame <laughs> I mean that's how I grew up you know in in Asia I mean in Asia like East Asia obviously there's a lot more chopsticks or cutlery but in South mm. Asia and definitely in Bangladesh where my my you know sort of half my family is from it was with hands, right? And I, I the food just tastes better, I think. But you end up eating more. That's the one yeah, disadvantage. Yeah. <laughs> that is the only thing. There's no, <laughs> there's no boundaries. There's no limits. I'm afraid, <laughs> and they're long. You know, we always laugh. You know, we talk about. Um, uh, you know, I hear about, like they say, the French culture where um, they will sit and they will have two-hour lunches and they'll have long dinners. And well, that's what we do. You know, we do the same thing. You know, we will have long lunches. We will have those siestas, you know, those naps in the afternoon. We'll go out, you know, we'll, we'll eat with together. And, we, you know, we, we might have had something to eat at home. But as soon as we go out and we meet up, that's it. Of course, we've got little mezes, nibbles. You know, the Spanish do it, the tapas. You go from bar to bar to bar and you're eating tapas, right? There's different tapas <laughs> on the bars. You know, you don't have to pay for it sometimes. <laughs> Nice. where you go in Spain yeah yeah man my kind of people 
So um, going back to your career and, you know, that, that, uh, you know, experience of going into chef, I mean, it sounded like you were looking for something that gave you that flexibility because you had the two young kids as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I guess um, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, on the one hand, you get uh, hospitality, uh, the picture that's painted um, many times is long hours and, and, you know, a hard graft. And But actually, I've always believed that you can make it wherever you wish to make it. Um, and I think there is that, that side, that side of it, where if you go and work in the hotels and you know generally it's going to be quite long hours um, and I knew that with my young children I didn't want to do that but what I did find with hospitality what I think was really beautiful is that it offers you flexibility and actually there's so many arms to hospitality so many arms to to the chefing industry so many ways that you can make it work for yourself um, and and they're not to be dis dismissed so um, what I ended up doing what happened to me um, was that I uh, literally, before I'd even finished the course, I set up my catering business. Uh, a friend of mine um, had a, was an editor for a newspaper, a national um, newspaper that was uh, targeted towards the Cypriot community. Um, and uh, I, um, and so I ended up getting a food column. I was the resident chef and writer, a food writer for that newspaper, uh, which was amazing. So I got, a, I, I got a newspaper column I set up a catering business and um, and then I was, yeah, and then I started making cakes and jams and things like that. I was dabbling, I was dabbling, I was diving in in all aspects, just trying out lots of different things. Um, and uh, and it was really amazing because I, because of my kids, because of my young children, and I was a single mum, I got to pick and choose really and I, and I decided that was going to be the best course of action for me, the best route. Um, where I was able to choose uh, the hours I wanted to work, the days. I mean, look, in all honesty, obviously, when you're doing events, catering events and stuff like that, weekends, you know, are the thing that you end up, um, you know, they're, they're the ones that really, where all the events happen, to be honest. Um, but I did a mix of things. So I was doing, you know, weddings and and um, anniversaries and funerals and all kinds of sort of social events like that um, but I also did uh, corporate work I did a lot of corporate work so you'd find that that would be during the week so I was doing like you know breakfast launches um, I was doing evening things um, big launches for this or that you know for business events um, I did stuff at the O2 catered for like 500 people at the O2 that was crazy um, and uh, and then you know I was uh, then, then yeah I was doing um, things like parties and stuff like that as well so I did a real mix of corporate work private work um, but it really also what was great was that um, I then ended up about probably about two years into doing this um, I got a call from my previous lecturer who had taught me uh, and we'd obviously made friends because that's me I like to make friends with everybody because you never know and uh, um, he um, he said to me oh look one of the lecturers is leaving uh, do you want to come and do a bit of teaching and I was like what huh? what you know and obviously but I had done a teacher's course in that time as well and and he said do you want to come and do a bit of teaching and I thought yeah yeah I do and and that really opened up a whole new um, area for me, I guess, that really opened my eyes because um, I then ended up being on the other side of things where I got to teach students 
like myself who had come in, I guess in some ways in search of something, definitely in search of um, a new life, um, a new experience, maybe in search of a new path. And, uh, and so that so began my teaching journey, actually, um, which uh, I guess is, yeah, still to this day, I still do some teaching. And, uh, and it was such a beautiful experience because I got to meet people, I still get to meet people from all walks of life, uh, from all nationalities, all cultures, uh, who come to me and um, yeah, and, and, and are looking for that training. Some of them are already cooking in the kitchen. Some of them working for the, you know, top hotels and restaurants. Some who are were like me, single mom. Um, some who, you know, maybe just uh, new to the UK who need to do some training or get some qualifications. Uh, and it's been uh, it's been such a profound experience, actually, very humbling experience because you get to hear about their lives. And uh, and I love that. And I think that's what brought me into the coaching as well, to be honest, mm. because yeah, in a lot of ways, I guess I spent I've spent the last 15 years or I think it's probably about 18 years, actually, um, mentoring and uh, and coaching these people as well as teaching them the cooking, um, because everybody's got a story. And there was something that you said earlier about how you bring the coaching into the cooking as well. Tell us a little bit about that, because I'm quite curious to, to understand how that works as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my style of coaching is definitely about helping someone to look within themselves. And, um, and I work with women. Um, and it's about um, helping them to overcome you know past experiences overcome life's adversities uh, like my own like my own journey that I did and 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 being able to um, help someone to see their greatness really to see their beauty within see who they are um, and then what I do is what I've always found like I said with the cooking that um, it is about connection it's about cooking is a very beautiful way to I guess in some ways is to release yourself from the day's stresses, from the things that maybe will be happening in your life around you right now, that actually maybe what you really um, need is some mindfulness. And, and, and that's really how I use the cooking as a kind of mindfulness technique. Um, it's a beautiful way to say, get in touch with the food. So mindfulness is very much about being in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness is about um, being able to just embrace what's happening right now at that moment, in that moment, uh, without all these external stresses, without all of the external elements um, that we allow, we, allow, we allow to infiltrate our beautiful little barrier. I always call it a ready break glow. Um, you, anyone who remembers their 1980s ad for ready break cereal, it was this little boy and he'd eat the ready break and a little girl and she'd eat the ready break and they'd go out and they'd have this like little glow that was around them where the ready break was, you know, keeping them warm, protecting them, keeping them nourished. And, um, and that's what 
the food does. It's a kind of nourishing, nurturing experience. So as we go through the journey um, together with the client um, about learning about themselves, uh, what food does is, as you, you mentioned earlier, is that you sit around and you you open up and you talk. So when we're when we're eating with family, with friends, um, we're everybody's you know kind of sharing, right? We're sharing experiences. We're sharing what happened that day. We're sharing stories, and I love stories. You know, I'm a big fan of the story of storytelling, of hearing people's stories. Uh, maybe I'm a bit nosy. I don't know. <laughs> curious. I'm curious, lovingly curious. That's what I call it. I'm lovingly curious. But, you know, I just um, um, I love the way that food is a, ultimately a, a chance for um, somebody to relax, open up, to immerse themselves in the experience of the ingredients, the smells, the colors, the flavors, the, the, the skill of the chopping, and then putting it all together, and then creating something that you ultimately will nourish your body with. So of course, you know, we're making lovely nourishing food, food that's going to you know, nurture you and nourish you within rather than say, you know, I mean, making a cake. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I love cake. I love baking. But, um, you know, it's about actually beautiful food, food, Mediterranean food. I mean, obviously, mm. that's that's the kind of food I do. I, my speciality is Mediterranean, Middle Eastern food. And and so we we cook that kind of food, colourful food, vibrant food, food that's got flair so that um, we can share that experience together. And then the, the, um, the, the, the client feels relaxed, feels more willing to share their own story and open up uh, to me and so that we can um, help to address the things that may be going on in their life. So, yeah, I guess that the cooking um, I've always found has been such a beautiful outlet for myself and my own journey as well and, and, and for others too. I completely agree with the cooking. I've always enjoyed it, but I've always found it also like that opportunity to stress relieve. You know, you just put everything out and then you just focus on the cooking, you know, with the chopping, you have to be so precise, make sure you don't cut off your fingers, you know, <laughs> you're peeling and then, you know, having the ingredients. And I like what I like about cooking compared to baking is that you can kind of be a little bit more creative, whereas the baking it has to be very precise. If it's 132 yeah. grams, it needs to be 132 grams. And I really don't like being very precise. <laughs> I mean, told what to do, being told what to do, Nori. My dad always says that to me. You know, you never listen. You never listen. But yes, dad, you're right. I don't. I never listen. It's true. <laughs> I, like, I like to just, like, you know, let's just try this and do that. You know, it's funny. If you ever on one of my lessons, um, when I'm doing cooking lessons, um, so I um I have a, a few different um, places where I, I I used to go to deliver the lessons, and and I have a couple of cookery schools I still teach at, and um. um when I'm there and I'm doing a day session, um, I always say to the guests that arrive that come, I'm like, listen, this is not, you know, I'm not Gordon Ramsay. This is not, you know, a, a set something where I'm going to be looking at your chopping skills or telling you off for not doing this way or telling you off about that. No, throw off all of that. Don't even bother looking at the recipes. I'm going to guide you through. I'm going to tell you all the things that need to be done, different elements. But if you want to zhuzh it up a little bit, if you want to just change it a little bit, you want to add a little extra spice, go ahead, do it. 
you know, because um, it's yours. You know, this is yours and you're going to make it the way you want it to be. So, yes, I teach them the essentials. Yes, I teach them the classic way to make a particular dish. But then I always say free flow. Go off, go off the grid a little bit, you know, go off on a tangent a little bit. Don't feel that you have to only stick to the recipe. So for some people, they find that the easiest they, mm. to stick to the recipe. And that, and you know what? That's absolutely fair enough. And there is a formula. And I always yeah. say that in life, there are things that, you know, if you create positive habits, if you create a, a really good formula for yourself that works, that's beautiful and follow that. But also allow some flexibility, allow the fact that some things, you know, do need to change sometimes. It's not always, you know, if you don't have that particular spice, it's learning to say, okay, well, maybe I can replace it with this with one. something else, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think, you know, having some structure is always helpful, but knowing that yeah. you can have the freedom to move around if you need to, because some people, yeah, if you tell them like, go free flow, you know, it's like a blank, right? <laughs> yeah. For others, it's like, yay. So, you know. Yeah, thank knowing, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> knowing that you have you know everyone is a little bit different right and we all yeah. have to adapt and adjust accordingly so That's allowing right. that flexibility I think is yeah, great totally. totally one size doesn't fit all I always exactly. say that one size does not fit all and so thinking about yourself and your own journey um what have you learned about yourself um are you the kind of person who likes the structure or the free flow <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit rebel maybe a little bit rebel oh do you know I, I think I'm a uh, sometimes I think I'm a little contradiction so sometimes I do like a little bit of structure yeah uh, like you know obviously I have my own little habits and things and and you know positive habits that I um instilled so obviously with my own journey um I'd say probably the last seven to eight years in particular um I uh, uh, went through my second divorce and I had those um, I had a, my my experience was domestic abuse and um, and I guess I realized um, that had been for both my marriages actually and so the reason I'm going to say this is because you know I want to um, be honest truthful and you know empower other women that, that are going to be listening to this um, that my own experiences of domestic abuse and um and the um and difficulties financial hardship and and you know real sort of tough stuff I had to sell my family home and lots of stuff like that you know those experiences really taught me um one that you know we have to learn to make changes in our lives but two that you can only make those changes unless you want to change um you can't no one can change anything in their life unless they're willing to uh accept the change and want to make the change right so um what I found uh was that over that experience when I started my own journey um especially what this is what led me into the coaching really as much as anything else um was that um I I like structure I do like a bit of structure but I realized that some of the stuff some of the habits some of the structure I had wasn't serving me very well wasn't helping me and I think we have to be willing to change our behaviors our emotions our thoughts um, and uh, and our um, mindset if we're ever going to really um, 
get the life that we desire. I had a lot of dreams, you know, I was a real sort of dreamer. Uh, that is I, that is one of the things that I am. That's actually the meaning of my name, funnily enough, in Turkish. Uh, it means daydreamer. And how apt, how appropriate. Uh, <laughs> I'm the biggest dreamer. Um, uh, but, you know, I found that what I was doing was I was doing a lot of dreaming, but I wasn't, my actions were not representing those dreams, right? And, um, and so it was after my um, second divorce and when I, when I was going through it, really, um, that I started adopting a new regime, new habits. I became a member of the 5am club. I, um, you know, I started, uh, you know, really strict sort of, you know, meditation and the journaling and the exercise and, you know, all of those things to um, help me unpack and and decipher and, and open up and understand what had happened to me why it was happening um what what responsibility i could take so it wasn't my fault but what could i do that would um uh, maybe change or you know change that get off that roundabout that that cycle that i seem to be on and um and so, yeah, so what I learned was, is that um, it's really great to have a structure, but also it's also important to learn to be quite flexible as well. And, and so, yeah, I guess in some ways I had, um, I was a, one of those people that doesn't like to stick to the rule book. I don't like rules and regulations. I don't like anyone telling me what to do. <laughs> But um, I did learn to listen better. My dad, I don't think my dad, dad's like a little bit, he feels a bit better about it now. I think I listen, listen a little bit more now. I'm a little bit more, you know, to the right things, to the right things, to the things that matter to me. You know, that's what it is, the things that matter to me, yeah. <laughs> yes, I think you and I may have that in common. Uh, and Julia, thank you so much for sharing uh, your your story and your journey and being so open um, about it you know I think if there's anyone else who will be listening to this and will be inspired by it knowing that they're not alone is going to be incredibly important so thank you for sharing that um, and yeah I love that that your um, your word your name in Turkish means daydreamer um, I think it it really resonates and for me my name in Arabic means um, light so I, I often see that what I'm doing now with the podcast and everything that I'm doing with women in hospitality is to shine the light on others right so Thank I love you. the way that we can take meaning from our names and how it represents in our lives as well yeah 100% 100% that's really beautiful definitely yeah I love I love what you're doing actually Nora and I think it's really amazing and, and you know being able to inspire women you know women in hospitality we um it's hard you know it's tough it's a tough industry it's a tough sector isn't it we um you know we we often get sidelined, we deal with abuse, you know, we get, um, you know, underrepresented, we're shortchanged, you know, we don't get paid enough or um, we don't get that flexibility. There's a lot of women out there. I tell you, um, I was thinking about one of my influences because I know you were sort of, you know, interested in that. And um, I really love um, Asma Khan from Darjeeling Express, she's incredible because um, her whole brigade, her whole team are women only, which yeah. is what I said I would always do. I take a lot of inspiration from that. And and the fact also that her, her brigade, her some of her chefs, they weren't, you know, traditionally trained chefs, you know? Um, and I guess in some ways that was actually my style of teaching when I used to have a lot of women that came to me. Um, 
was that I, you know, I could see that they could cook. They were incredible cooks. They were freaking amazing. But the, what the sector does, what the sector doesn't allow, sorry, is that flexibility. And that's one of my biggest bugbears is that, um, you know, it's my biggest issue with the sector is why can't you employ, you know, two women to do one job? Do you know what I'm saying? Why can't you employ three women to do that one job? Why can't you give those women um, the opportunity where one is able to work those early shifts and another is able to work the late shift and one of them can do the, the, the middle shift or whatever it is? Why can't that be so? Why can't we make those allowances? Because I'll tell you something, there's a lot of women out there who may not have the chef qualification and our industry is great actually in some ways that it's not they're, they're not always that bothered by that I think mm -hmm. if you're a good cook you can start from the bottom do you know what I'm saying you can start from the bottom and work your way right up right um easily uh you can start at 16 and you know and, and become the MD do you know what I'm saying um but what I don't understand is why is it that there are so many women out there that I meet um in in my teaching who are single moms or who, you know, living on a, a, a limited income, who have been cooking all their lives, who have a beautiful, rich cultural background. And that could be utilised in the kitchen, you know? And um, I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. It's, it's down to the bottom line, down to the money. Is it down to, you know, but then, but then you see the other flip side is, and this is the interesting thing, is that, so there may be arguments, oh, well, you know, we need someone who's going to be there all the time and, you know, what about if their kid gets sick, blah, blah, blah. You know, we hear that crap all the time as well, right? Um, well, I always say, well, then offer some sort of help and some support for that as well then. Why don't you offer some help with like, you know, maybe um, uh, vouchers, childcare vouchers, you know, this, you know, I know what it's like because I lived, I, I, I lived on um, uh, um, a low income um for a few years I and I um I struggled and I got benefits and you know um, I had a council flat and all sorts of stuff you know I know that I've had those experiences so I, I relate to these women you see I empathize with them because I've been there but what I don't get is that on the other side you employ someone who maybe is going to work 100 hours a day and you know and and then what happens at some point down the line they're burnt out they're burnt out they're burnt out they've had enough they leave the industry covid showed us that a whole bunch of people said, I'm not doing this anymore. Oh my God. You know, they got, then they had their restaurants closed and they got that moment to step back. Some of them were like, oh, I can't go back there. I can't go back and do that. You know, and they left. They left for a desk job. <laughs> you know, that's really sad. It's really sad. So we lost a lot of people. Um, you know, Brexit obviously hasn't helped. And I don't want to talk about the B word, but, um, you know, that has not helped us. But the point is this, right? Um, unfortunately um we have had you know these experiences we see that we see that with um people getting burnt out so i'm a, I'm a burnt chef project mm. ambassador as well mental health ambassador and um and because again it's a project close to my heart because i see it I, i've seen it over the years people you know stressed out working long hours getting burnt out and and the industry it, it's almost like it's like a machine isn't it it's just like keep going keep going keep going you've got nowhere to turn no one to talk to if you mention that you're not feeling right in yourself you're scared that you'll lose your job 
And so, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of these issues that I can see that we're beginning to address now with the Burnt Chef project, with other projects, a lot of ways. But, you know, I'm, I'm always, a, you know, always going to be a big, massive um, uh, supporter and advocate for women um, and that for flexibility, flexible hours, yeah. flexible working to um because I, I believe that is the way to go so yeah watching people like asma and what they do and what she does um i think is incredible because yeah. th that's that's a, a, a testimony a proof that it can work I, you know there's so many things that you've said there that you know completely make sense you know on one hand you know if you think about the typical like family home it's always the women who are cooking and right at home so why is it not the women in the chef, um in the kitchens and restaurants as well like it makes absolutely no sense to me and you know all that what you're saying about the flexibility and giving that additional support yes it is absolutely possible perhaps it's a bit more effort administratively some additional costs but in the long run these people are going to be happier healthier loyal dedicated and you won't have you know people going through burnout and not wanting to come back into the industry so I think the more that we can have these kind of conversations raise awareness educate and start identifying some companies who are willing to make this change and see where we can go from there exactly. and yeah. um, as much as I would love to keep asking you questions um, because I know we could probably carry on forever I am going to move on to my final question and ask you who inspires you Yes, yes. So um, I was thinking about this. And obviously, as I said, I mentioned Asma, I think she's amazing and other female chefs in the industry who have overcome the adversities, overcome, um, you know, the, the sector and it's kind of quite male dominated um, uh, uh, environment to become, you know, top chefs and and have their restaurants I think they're incredible. Um, I'd say that my parents definitely have been, uh, you know, my biggest inspiration because they overcame so many uh, boundaries, so many um, limitations, I guess. Um, they left their own country. They came here to the UK. They worked, you know, they, they, they bought a house. They, <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they worked and, and, and paid their bills and had three kids and looked after us and made a life and you know all throughout the 70s and the 80s I mean it was it was incredible so you know watching my parents and watching relatives and uh, and their real entrepreneurial spirit my dad had his own business he had a shop and um my mum she um used to help him and she supported him and uh, you know they um they were they were really quite inspirational very entrepreneurial and I guess I have that entrepreneurial spirit and uh, and that was I guess that was my my culture as well it's what I saw with all of my relatives so that was a real inspiration for me it's real solid work ethic as well you know if you want to get somewhere you want to do something you've got to you know work for it and um and and believe um I'd say that the, the students that I've met over the years have been quite a big inspiration for me, um, just from a very much a humbling perspective, um, seeing them and, and, their, and hearing their own stories and then seeing their dedication to turning up every week for the lessons, to uh, doing the work, to, you know, being able to actually, uh, I guess in some ways, put aside their own life experiences and the things that were going on uh, for them the difficulties that they may were having or have had and and just coming to 
do this because they know that it's for their greater good they know it's they're doing something to improve themselves I'm a big believer in that I love I love learning I love knowledge um I love learning new things I read a lot I'm always reading so again I take a lot of inspiration from all the um great thought leaders out there and and dead and alive who um have helped me on my own journey as well um and uh, you know and i love i love reading and, and and listening to and hearing about women who do want to do things differently um like you noreen like yourself as well who you know highlight our industry the need to change um the things that we can do in that industry um and yeah and so so i guess i, I take inspiration from a lot of different places a lot of different spaces um anything that anything where we are willing to do something not just for ourselves but for the greater good of everyone is is where i'm always inspired Thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your story with us today, Julia. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality. Mm -hmm.